You're not just a regular worker in an office or in a warehouse. You just, you know, you have to consider what it is, what profession you are in. And we are held to a higher standard. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. You know, I love instructions on how to do stuff. I hope I don't have to hand in my man card because I said that, but it's true. That's why today's show is about how to be a firefighter. Not how to fight fires, but how to be a firefighter. They're two different things. My guest today is the author of The Firefighter's Little Black Book, Your Pocket Guide to Safety. But it's not just about safety on the fire ground. It's also about things like keeping your job safe and holding on to your integrity. And it's written by Stan Tarnowski. It's his second book. Stan served as fire chief, 911, and EMA director in Union City, Georgia. He began his career in 1975 with the Boston Logan International Airport Fire Department. Stan's been a deputy and suppression chief at the Georgia State Fire Academy and chief of training at the Henry County Fire Department. He's currently the president of FireSafe Consulting Group. And Stan Tarnowski joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hey, Scott. Thank you so much for uh, that, that introduction. I'm extremely humbled and privileged to uh, be speaking with you this morning. So how did you come to write all these rules down into a book? Well, Scott, you know, I've just been encouraged uh, after my operational retirement back in 2008. I, you know, I was, I had been consulting and traveling and and, uh, teaching globally fire suppression tactics and strategies and typically uh, flammable and combustible liquid firefighting. Uh, I had an opportunity to uh, be sat down and <laughs> had some time uh, to reflect on just what it is that we in the fire service and emergency services business that we're responsible for. And, and really the number one thing that, that came to me is that over, the, over 35 years operationally that there were a lot of things that went on and I was uh, privileged to work with some just phenomenal people in the fire emergency services of all branches, police, fire, EMS, emergency management groups. And, you know, just to look back and look at common sense, practical behaviors and how we can get to left of center or right of center, per se, and our behaviors may not reflect the professionalism that we, we obviously need to have to serve in our communities. We, we take a, a lot of risks, and the community expects us when they call 911 that we are top shape, top emotionally shaped, behaviorally shaped, 
and able to do the job that they need us to do when they call and we have to go to help them. Looking back at um, some of the issues that, that confront us in the fire station, off the job and on the job, the people issues, the family issues, the family unity. This is a reminder, this little guidebook, and that's what I wrote it for, is to, uh, to remind uh, all personnel in emergency services that we are held to a high standard and our moral integrity is at risk if we don't adhere to uh, the principles of, of good living. You used the phrase common sense. So who is this book aimed at? Is it aimed at newer firefighters or guys who've been around for a while and may have let some of their standards slip? Well, you know, that's that's a good point because I actually wrote it for people who are interested in the, coming into the fire service. It's really a tool for, for those who uh, are like-minded for fire emergency services. Also, for those on the job now, and also for those who are in their latter years of the job or even in, re in retirement of the job going forward. You know, we, we are all mentors in, in one way or another. And I think that if we're reminded occasionally that we need to reflect on our professionalism, and if we're not doing something that we should be doing, it's an opportunity for us to get ourselves straight back on the road, you know, and humble ourselves. I think patience and humility is a key characteristic of good living. Having failed myself in, in many aspects of life, but I have uh, been blessed by God to make amends, and he's given me an opportunity to, to share some of those experiences. And so I just wanted to impart that on those who may be humble enough to admit that maybe they are not doing things completely morally sound. Because that's really what I think it comes down to is the way we morally uh, handle ourselves in life. Several of your points or rules deal with off-duty behavior, and we'll look at those individually in a second. But how do you respond to firefighters who say you can't dictate how they should act outside of work? Well, I think that you know you can't dictate how people choose how to run their lives. However. Fire personnel, like I said, we're held to a high standard in our communities, and we, you know, we are under mandate. We we raise our right hand and swear during our ceremonials of entrance into that department that we will that we will uh, serve uh, in a professional capacity. Now, I think everything stems from a default of, of behavior, how you were, how you see morality to be, uh, good ethical morals. So if you're at home and you're doing things that are outside the realm of common sense behavioral practices, such as if you're, you know, drinking too much or you're actually become addicted to, you know, that or prescription drugs or pornography, and you're living in a, a situation where your judgment is impaired in some way, that, that obviously carries onto the job, whether you think so or not, it does. And I can personally attest to that. And I know so many of my personnel, you know, that I was fortunate and blessed to be uh, working with that they had shared adversities in their lives. And it does have a negative effect on the job if you are participating in making bad choices that will have a negative effect on you, yourself, your family, your department family, and the members of the community. So although we can't dictate how people choose, I think it's it's in our best interest to 
sit down and think common sense wise and think of your families, think of you know the people that you serve and actually being held to a higher standard. I think for new new personnel coming on the job, I know there are training chiefs that are retired that are now spend time mentoring folks and making pre candidate school opportunities available to them that are teaching them about how to be watching out for how they act outside the job, you know, before they even come on. But also my recommendation is to every day look at this checklist. And that's why I made it because it came so easily because I, I had seen these involvements and even been in some of these involvements myself. So a checklist to review every day will, will remind you, hey, am I making the right choice on this thing? Should I be doing this? Should I be saying that? Should I be hanging out with these people? You know, am I in the right environment? What if somebody sees me doing something outside, you know, the department off the job, but it's it's unethical or it's illicit or it's immoral in some way? You are held accountable for it. And you're not just a regular worker in an office or in a warehouse. And you just, you know, you have to consider what it is, what profession you are in. And we are held to a higher standard. So the people that have that, you know, attitude, like you can't tell me what to do off the job. I just say, just when you reflect back that, that something, something could, you know, that something could happen that, you know, you're not going to have control over, then it's not going to be a good thing for you. I'll be back with more right after this. Federal Resources is a mission-critical solutions provider with only one goal, to empower and prepare the first responder for any threat, at home or abroad, that they are called on to respond to. Your mission is to protect and defend. Our mission is to make sure you're equipped with the knowledge and training on response techniques to current threats. We'll make sure you know the latest innovations in technology to ensure mission success every time. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. One of your rules is be kind, which reminds me of the late Chief Alan Brunacini, who would say be nice. How right. how important is this? It's extremely important. I think this is the groundwork. And, and, and that number one topic just came to my, my mind and my heart immediately. When I started to write these down, that was the first thing because, I mean, everybody wants to be treated kindly. And no matter what, who you are and where you are and what kind of job you do, but I think that because we're so, we're so interfaced with so many people, whether it's coworkers or serving in the community or our families and friends, uh, church folks, whatever, that, you know, it's just, it's, it's good moral behavior to be kind to people. And I just think, you know, you know, and I'm a, a fan of Chief Brunacini. I'm, I'm a friend of his and have several conversations with him over the years and many other great uh, chiefs and other fire personnel. That, and we've discussed these things about how to be good people in our communities. And he definitely set the standard for us to follow a great mentor. And I just think that being patient and humble and being understanding being gentle with people, especially during emergency situations, really shows the community and the, and the world in general that uh, we're not out there to grandstand ourselves, but we're there to assist during times of need when these people, anyone needs help, uh, they can count on us to come and, and uh, 
help them get through their emergency situation. Their emergency might might be our urgency or even a basic situation, but for them at the time, it's a huge emergency and it's a crisis for them. So we come in there, we roll in, you know, we're like the we're like the knights on the horses coming in to help. And um, you know, we need to just be kind and patient and humble and just caring. And that's a good, I think, attribute of, of life anyway as a person. Now, there are, uh, as we said, 50 of these. One that caught my eye, of course, was that you specifically warned against sex in the firehouse. I assume you felt that warning was needed, but why? Yes, Scott. I, I, I mean, unfortunately, that topic is prevalent and has been prevalent for many years, although Nobody really wants to talk about any of these illicit type situations, but they occur. So when I, I wrote that, and I, what I think I said is that I knew that whoever was going to be reading it, that that particular point, their eyes would be wide open. Because as a reminder, although there may be a very small percentage of these things happening, you know, in the firehouse or outside, even we need to be, you need to be reminded that this is not good. Uh, work principles. It's not. It's not recognized as a standard of professionalism. Bringing somebody in and doing that, having that go on in a firehouse, is people who you work with that are totally dedicated to their relationships and family. You know, some of these illicit situations do take place. Chief Dennis Rubin, who's also a friend of mine, and uh, talked about these different things. You know, they've. They go on and they shouldn't go on because it just puts unnecessary and undue stress on the department family. And, of course, naturally, it can destroy uh, the person's family life and then friendships. And then it's like a domino effect. And once you get involved in doing something like that, you know, your reputation and your integrity is, is called out. It, it Believe me, it can, it can take a, an eternity and then sometimes you can't regain uh, from that type of uh, moral failure. So I figured I had to touch on that. What is the single most important rule in the book? Looking at your moral and ethical behavior, and, and, that, and that can be broken down into many components, but everybody knows right from wrong, and I think that every day we should really, before we start off to go to work, just do a reflection on, you know, who am I? What am I doing? What am I going to be doing today? I'm responding to help people. Can people trust me? If they saw me doing things when I'm not around them, would they be still thinking that I'm a good person or a professional firefighter, fire officer, just as a reminder? So I think there's no one specific uh, rule or guide or topic, but I just think some good basic moral, you know, positioning and behaviors is really a ground a groundwork or the base work uh, for continued professional service. All right. The book is titled Firefighters Little Black Book, Your Pocket Guide to Safety. Chief Stan Tarnowski, thanks for talking with us today on Code Three. Thanks, Scott. It's been an amazing pleasure and a privilege and an honor to uh speak with you today and I just wish you and your entire audience and the entire fire service a very uh, happy new year, prosperous and healthy, and just uh, let's all be safe out there in all aspects of life.
And we've put some more information about how to order the Chief's book on our website at code3podcast.com slash 50. That's slash 50. Check it out. Here comes your trivia question. If you're giving a newborn an APGAR assessment, what are you checking? I'll have the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not so serious. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the Bull Sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today, support the show, and get access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions. Here is the trivia answer. APGAR stands for Appearance, Pulse, Gaze, Airway, and Retractions. And that's an APGAR assessment. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. I'm always looking for your comments about the show. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I hope you'll be here. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.